Welcome down to the North Star Community Podcast. I am Scott. I am Teresa. Still. (laughs) We work here at North Star Community together, and we are here bringing you a recap of a recent message uh, that was given here at North Star. So, uh, buckle your safety belt. You know, I've been accused of two things. Recently. Well, I've been accused of a lot of things. <laughs> I was going to say, two recently things. or ever, because if it's, if it's just, <laughs> just two. two. Two things that I've been accused of fairly consistently involve me saying every time I hear a message or give a message, I always say, this is my favorite scripture passage in the Bible. Yep. And then the other thing I've been accused of saying very frequently is, this is the most important message I'm, I think I've ever given. So I yep. would... Following my pattern, I would say that the scripture you chose for this passage is one of my favorite scriptures ever. And in addition to that, there was so much good stuff in this message. I think it's like, man, if if we could get this message as a collective community and as individuals, that would that would take us far. <laughs> well, I look forward to digging in then because I will... Um, I eagerly anticipate what you have to say about it and what um, what you found particularly useful. I'm eagerly anticipating listening to you to say it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, where do we want to get started? How about the beginning? What was the beginning? Uh, you usually start out every one of your message with the scripture. Well, uh, not necessarily. In did, fact, I think we did that close to the end of this one. Okay, well... For whatever that's worth. Why don't you look on your little notes rather than expecting me to remember it? <laughs> <laughs> um, last week, we had had this conversation about acceptance um, and some of the challenges, some of the challenges, but both some of the opportunities that come with acceptance. And, and you can listen to that uh, and get caught up. Um, if you didn't get to hear that one, so it'll be the one that's posted right before this on the feed. Uh, that I, I assume you're reading this somewhere where there's a feed. But um, all that to say, we started with this question: What do you struggle to accept? Yes. Um. And so, uh, there's a lot of possible answers to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um. I tend to like the really honest answers. I mean, you know, in our personal life, it's been very difficult for us to accept the fact that, you know, uh, we had to deal with infertility and our bodies didn't quite work the way that they were supposed to. And there were lots of unknowns and um, we saw um, lots of people not have those struggles. And mm-hmm. um, we saw people in, in very difficult circumstances um, have pregnancies that they didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that plays into this idea that um, it's really hard to it's really hard to cope with the fact that that life doesn't often throw at us what we think we should get. Right. Um, we often, um, I think most people, well, I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm trying to be generous here. Most of us realize that there's a limit on what we could reasonably say we deserve, right? Okay. Do you you agree with that? Like, most people don't think, 
they deserve a mansion and a Ferrari in life. Would you agree? I, I do agree with the notable exception of narcissists and other mental well, health issues. But for the for the average Joe who doesn't live in grandiosity. Yeah, that's an yeah. extreme exception. I mean, that's a very yeah. rare percentage of the population. So I'm saying in general terms for most people, there are caps on what we think we can reasonably expect in life. And we're generally okay living beneath that threshold, right? Like... I'm okay not having a mansion. It doesn't even cross my mind. I'm okay not having a, a super fancy car. That never even crosses my mind. Uh, it crosses my mind sometimes that there are like guitars out there that cost thousands of thousands of dollars that I would love to put my grubby little fingers on from time to time. Right. But I don't think I deserve it. I don't even think I deserve the ones I've got for that right. matter. Right. Uh, but so the point is that there's this threshold that we that many of us live beneath when it comes to deserve. But I don't know, I think there's also like a minimum that we think we do deserve. Or that we need in order to have a reasonably good life. Well, so I don't know 100% what you mean by that, so I'm not trying to contradict you, but there is a difference between what we need then having an appropriate minimum expectation of what we want and then having this other thing of what we deserve, right? I mean, like right. there's a there but, are distinctions between what we need, what we want, and what we think we deserve. Okay, but I want to push back on that. Okay. Because I think you're a weirdo. Okay. So um, you have a very analytical mind, and this is actually in real time how your mind works. <laughs> like you've been like this your whole life. I'm your mother. I can say these things about you. You're kind of weird. And you have would normally as a general rule you you get those distinctions but my gentle pushback would be that not not all of us in fact a majority of us probably do not think in such analytical ways which is why i think this message is so important because for you giving this message i think you probably thought well this is kind of one of those basic messages that's really important but I think for our dear podcast listeners, you're going to say some things that if people really slow down and consider them, might be something that they've never thought about before. I'm just saying. Um, I know that's true because we've already had some offline conversations about this, but specifically to let to pull back the curtain, what 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 specific things are you addressing there that you think my mind is is weird about? Your mind is weird in that it's weirdly objective. Okay. And you have always been very clear on what your limitations are. Yeah. And you've managed um, your anxiety and uh, even your forays into depression by being very careful about what your expectations are in life. Yep. And... Um, Frankly, my darling, that's a little weird. <laughs> well, okay. So to finish the thought that I was starting before, I I think that most of us do think that we deserve certain things in life. I and, totally agree with and that. And we're not always aware of it. Totally agree with that. And I think that, that that's an important point that the reason I push back on what you said before is because 
what I think the listener needs to hear is your clear delineation may not be clear to them, right? The delineation between what and what? Needs, wants, and grandiosity, for example. Okay. So, for example, so I'll give you um, an example from my perspective. Sure. So, um, and I don't think this has anything to do with what I think I deserve or expect. It's just all about what I want. Okay. I would love a lake house. This Mm -hmm. is what I would tell you, right? (laughs) I want a lake house or a house on a body of water, not not like our house that sometimes is on a body of water because our backyard doesn't drain well, but like a legit body of water. Now, I don't think that that's a need, but I want it, and I don't necessarily think I deserve it. Mm -hmm. But I am also a bit analytical like you. Yep. And so I don't just have a lot of fantasy living going on. And when I really pause to think about it, I don't actually want a lake house. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of a lake house. Yeah. But I don't want to pay the bills. I don't There's wanna... a lot about your life that would change uh, in ways that you don't want in order to accommodate that. Right. You'd be I... away more. You don't like being away. I don't like being away. I don't like being away from my grandchildren. Right. So... Um, I'm kind of analytical too, and I've thought that I've thought through this. But what I would say is, is I think sometimes um, we wish for things we don't even really want, which is a form of not acceptance. And so I'm interested to hear what you're going to say about this message, not just from your analytical perspective, but from my uh, more. Um, you know, wanting things, not quite as analytical perspective. All right. So I'm sure this has been really confusing to listen to so far. So what I'm going to do I is- I think it's been very clear since I added my comments. Okay. So what I'm going to do now, because I think we it's possible we've been a little confusing so far because I think what I hear you saying is my some of my assumptions about how other people think are not accurate. So- Rather than dealing with whether or not the assumptions that I made are true, I'm going to go ahead and say the thing that I said in the message. I think I you're was, much better off doing that. Because <laughs> I, I don't what I was feel really to... good today, and I don't want to have to keep straightening you out, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we had this whole conversation about what we struggle to accept in the message, and people give their their uh, you, their typically great responses that... Um, escape me at the moment, but that I also don't want to share without permission. And that led to me saying that it's my belief that part of acceptance as a, as a concept is releasing the idea that we deserve different circumstances than what we have. Right. Do you want to react to that? Yes. I, I want to say that um, I think think that's a profound comment and I think that it is mostly unconscious for us but we have these expectations of what we think we deserve to get out of life and many of us have worked very hard to achieve them and when that falls short that is extremely upsetting yeah 
some of our listeners are going to be people of faith and some not. And it, you know, it doesn't particularly matter to me which of those categories you fall in. But one of the things that I find interesting is I think people of faith have an even harder time accepting that acceptance is about releasing the idea that we deserve different circumstances than somebody who isn't. Because faith has worked so hard to play into this idea that if you're faithful, then you get rewarded with circumstances, which is not the message of the Bible. We've been over this time and time and time again. I mean, you don't even have to, you can get more complicated than this if you want, but you don't have to get more complicated than looking at the life of Jesus himself or Paul, the two most famous figures, to see, oh, wow, nobody deserves different circumstances. Right. It's not an issue of whether you deserve it or not. No, it's an issue of hope, ultimately. Yes, yes. So, you know, I think that's really true. And I think in this age of every day with Jesus is better than the day before uh, that we have heard so prevalently across airwaves across our country, um, gosh, no wonder we're a little confused about that. Yeah. I, I was never see. I was really lucky because okay, that lucky's not the right word, but because I didn't grow up in a house of faith in my family of origin, <laughs> mm-hmm. I never bought into that bullshit. Yeah. Oops, can I say that? I'll I'll bleep it out, but it's a pain. It's a pain to do so. I'm sorry. Let me try again. Because I didn't grow up in a family of faith. I really never bought into that line that every day with Jesus was better than the day before because I'm not as analytical as you are, but I am pretty analytical. You're just extreme. And um, the Bible just didn't support that for me when I began reading it as a young adult. Right. I was like, no, wait a minute. This is a really, this is a really, uh, as Eugene Peterson said, uh, a long obedience in a certain direction, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's not how to get goodies from God, right? So. Yeah, that's an excellent turn of phrase, I think, both of those. I think uh, we got a little out of order in our podcasting recording. So I could be mistaken about the example that I used that Sunday, but if I can remember, because it was about a month ago now, I talked about the fact that and I apologize if I've told this story in another recent podcast. Um, so if if you can just hit this skip ahead 15 second button if you need to. But I think what I talked about that is like when the Celtics won the 2008 championship and Kevin Garnett on TV says anything is possible. Yeah. And my and I was watching it with my with my dad and my brother and we're all Celtics supporters, and we kind of started laughing out loud because we're like. Definitely for Kevin Garnett, who's seven feet tall, handles the ball like a point guard, um, passes like a point guard, um, works hard at his game, is a phenomenal defender and rebounder, great mid-range jump shooter, but has athleticism out the roof, all the height you could ask for, yada, yada, yada. There's something naturally baked in to Kevin Garnett's DNA that made an NBA championship possible for him, right? Yes, and he it is possible for him to do a lot of things on the basketball court that would not be possible for you no matter how hard you try because you tried really hard. Right. I put in no I put in as much effort as uh, one could put in. 
Yes. And Dad still tells me to this day that he was amazed at how many jump shots I was able to put up in our backyard on a daily basis. Yes. Now, this is a really, really, really silly example, but I think that sometimes we need a silly example in order to be able to see a broad truth because we don't get lost in the details. Right. An NBA championship was never going to be possible for me no matter, uh, because I was never going to make it to the NBA and I was never even going to play college basketball. You weren't right? even going to play high school basketball. <laughs> well, I might have been able to do that if I wasn't busy working after school. Yeah, maybe. But, but um, I, I, trust me, I gave plenty of those high school players the business over at uh, ACAC. Hey, I watched you. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, but I didn't play on the high school basketball team. So, all that to say, I had certain confines, physical confines, Yes. And, and I don't even know exactly what they are. I mean, there's people my height that make it to the NBA. So it's more than just height. It's other stuff, too. Stuff that we can't even see or may, may even not be able to measure. That's going to make certain things possible for the Kevin Garnett's of the world that are not going to be possible for the Scott McBeans of the world, right? And so just acknowledging that is like we need to acknowledge that all of us live within confines. There are certain things that are not going to be possible for us no matter how hard we try. When that's not when, everything. When you tell a kid their freshman year in high school, you can be anything you want to be. You can be a brain surgeon if you want to be, and they're not good at math, and they're not good at science, and they hate the sight of blood. You are kidding them. You're lying to them. They're not going to be able to be that. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of examples of that. There's lots of things in this world that I'm never going to be able to do. Not just basketball, right? I mean, basketball right. is the most extreme example. But I would, I could never be a brain surgeon. I mean, right. and and that's okay. But we have largely told people that life doesn't have confines. And when you give people that message, when confines bear down upon them, it becomes soul crushing. Yes. Right? Because we, we thought anything was supposed to be possible, but I'm finding X, Y, and Z not possible, which means there must be something wrong with me. Right. Or the system. The world's out to get me or something's wrong with me. I mean, two extremes. But it whatever happens, you make up stories that are not necessarily true and can be soul-crushing in order to explain limits that any wazoo could have told you were natural and were going to remain so. Yeah. Now I like pushing the limits. Like I say, push against them and see if maybe it's a false limitation construct, you know. But when you find out that the door really is closed on that, tell the truth about it. So to add my own sports analogy on there. I like to play tennis. Um, I tried really hard to be good at it. I'm not good at tennis. Um, I still play tennis as much as I can. I've accepted my limitations, and I enjoy playing tennis. But I did test the limits. I got lessons. I joined a tennis team. You know, I tried. Yeah, so... Um 
yeah, this, that's a, a great conversation to have is like, when do we know, how do we discern when the boundaries are worth pushing on? I'm actually writing about that in a devotional series right now, so stay tuned for that. But to, but to back up for one second for this conversation is, you know, we talked about the fact that it's, it's very difficult and confusing when we've been told there are no confines and then the confines bear down upon us. And one of the things that happens is it becomes so easy, like you were saying, to fall into victimhood or something like victimhood, that everything is out to get us, uh, we don't have choices, and we ruminate over the choices that we don't have. I just got off the phone with a with a dad who has a kid in jail, and he explained to me how there were no choices and the system was out to get him. He was so stuck on that narrative that within three minutes, I was able to give him four different alternative options for what he's trying to do that were really reasonable. And he was like, you're a genius, which, you know, of course, I love to hear. Mm -hmm. But it's not true. The difference was he had constructed a limitation uh, by being a victim. Right. And as soon as he bought into that narrative, then he couldn't figure out any way to be responsible for meaningful change. Yep. Yeah, so where where I went with that uh, in the message was that regardless of what the confines are and regardless of what our limitations are, and we all have them, and those are things that can be grieved and mourned, right? Yeah. Like what we talked about in the prior message about acceptance is that Acceptance isn't something that happens in an instant. It's a process, and it can be a long and difficult process, and maybe the first wave of that process is grieving. Um, in fact, I believe that I hear you often counsel people to not rush through despair and grief because you need time sitting in that, that that can be very um, important part of moving through and healing. Yeah. So no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what your limitations and your confines are, there are always choices to make. Now, they may not be our preferred choices. Our preferred avenues may not be available to us regardless of our choices. But there are still choices about who we are in the world and how we interact with the world and how we interact with our circumstances. Fair? Do you think right, that's fair? Right, very fair. Mm-hmm. So, and some of us ha- just have better lives than others. I mean, like, jealousy is always going to be a real thing. Uh, and at the same time, I can't think of a single person who, if you really pushed them, would say they have exactly the life that they want. Oh, absolutely. I mean, most people, I mean, uh, there are plenty of people who would say that, and then if you really, like, were able to push them and and like get down in the weeds of things, there are things about their lives that they don't like, right? So like nobody, what I mean is, I think nobody would say they have the perfect life. I know for a fact that that's true because I listen to a lot of people talk about their life and no one, well, except for a couple of people who I considered very disturbed (laughs) ever said that, you know? So, um, yeah. And the reason I say that is just to say that no matter how fortunate you are, and some of us are more fortunate than others, you still have confines. Right. You still have limitations. Right. And that's why we don't compare and compete in our community over suffering. Right. 
it's very important not to do that. And now it's my belief that if we own that reality, if we own that truth, that we all have confines, and yes, some people's confines are harsher than others and more limiting than others, but if we own that, we can be empowered by it. And I think it can be empowering to say, okay, I've gone through the difficult process of grieving, accepting, and mourning, and now I recognize that I have limitations. These are what the limitations are. These are the options that are available to me for my <laughs> for, cho for, for choice or action in the near future. Right. And because this is all that's available, I'm going to own the fact that um, I'm going to own which way I go with this. Right. Right. And be and and that is my choice. Yep. Um, I think that has the capacity to be very empowering for us, as opposed to ruminating, um, victimhood, and allowing ourselves to just kind of generally be crushed by what we perceive as unfairness or not getting what we deserve or, you know, a lack of justice in the world or whatever it is. Well, and I'd return to your infertility issues as an example of somebody who accepted their limits and pushed back against to test the limits simultaneously because you guys did a lot of research on your health issues and you did find Google reports that said, we had 11 miscarriages because we have the same health problem, but then our 12th one, we got a baby, you know? And you guys could have said, well, then we're going to do that. We're going to be tough. We're going to be strong. We're going to endure as many. But instead you said, wait a minute, these three miscarriages just almost killed Brittany, and we're not going to do that. We're going to pursue a different route, Yeah, which still had a potential for limitation. You had to come up with a boatload of money. Yep. Um, the the uh, application process was grueling. Yeah. You set yourself on a tight deadline. Your community and friends and family members supported you in ways that literally without that, we would have never had Nora. We would have eventually had another baby, but we wouldn't have gotten Nora, mm -hmm. which I can't even imagine. That makes me cry to think about. But I love that example as an example of acknowledging limits, but still, still punching, still punching a couple in the face because you hoped for a different outcome. Yeah. So I always like a good example where you can punch somebody in the face. I think that's so Christian. Yeah. <laughs> um. Metaphorically speaking. Yeah, and um, you know, I I think that where I ultimately went um, in the closing of the message was, you know, we've acknowledged that life is difficult. We've acknowledged that there's always going to be confines. We've acknowledged that those confines can be harsh, harsher for some than others, and that means we're always going to be in danger of being crushed. And being crushed at its core is about um, refusing to acknowledge that for God, there are always possibilities. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't mean that I'm going to win an NBA championship. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, that's not the kind of possibility I'm talking about. I'm talking about possibilities that somehow demonstrate to the world that God is at work. Right. Because the passage that we looked at essentially is one that talked about the fact that humans are weak and they're frail and they struggle to reflect God's love to the world. And so when we see God's love in the world and we recognize that he's up to something, it must be the product of God's work because we struggle so much to do it right. ourselves. And so that ultimately um, it's very difficult to live in the world. And the confines are always in danger of crushing us. And it's all the more important then to find some hope in the idea that for God there are always possibilities and God is, is not done working yet. Right. That he's going to be done working someday and things will be better. And that day is not today. Right. And at the same time, uh, hope can be a bridge too far for somebody who's in the in the midst of hopelessness, yeah. who's in the midst of being crushed. And hope is a shared responsibility. It's not something that each individual person can be responsible for at a moment in time. Sometimes for an individual person at, a, at an individual moment in time, hope is a bridge too far. Yeah. And so it's on a community to witness to that hope, to share that hope, to uplift those who need uplifting, to be the strength for those who are weak, to reflect God's love uh, to, to those um, who feel abandoned. Yep. Um, it's a shared responsibility. It's a group effort. And I think that's a really important message because I think you can get trapped in that shame cycle of I'm hopeless, therefore I'm not a good Christian because I should have hope, rather than I'm hopeless my choice within my confines is to ask for help and then to lean on somebody and then have the person who's allowing that person to lean on them to show that person love Yep. or whatever they need to be showed at a moment in time to get a little glimpse of the fact that God is not yet done working. And a little relief. Yeah. Just a little relief. Yeah. So you chose a really good passage of Scripture. You want to read it? Because, you know, it is one of my favorites. Well, I, I kind of just closed. I mean, I, I can read it. Yeah, just read it in closing as a closing prayer. All right, we'll read it as a closing prayer. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm trying to find that this version of the message doesn't have the verses in it. So uh, the verse numbers, so I'm just going to have to guess. Remember, our message is not about ourselves. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ, the Master. All we are is messengers, errand runners from Jesus for you. It started when God said, Light up the darkness, and our lives filled up with light as we saw and understood God in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. If you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't been broken. See why that's one of my favorites? I do. So our prayer for each of you, dear listeners, is that you understand that no matter how 
your difficult circumstances feel like they're crushing you, uh, may God find a way to reach his hand out to you and support you in your suffering. I second that. Good. Not sure how I can come in uh, after that and do our closing here, but uh, I guess the only way to do it is to do it clumsily. Um, you're going to hear music. It's courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions. They can be found on the web at sessions.blue. You can find us and learn more about who we are and what we do at northstarcommunity.com, and you can learn more about our campaign for Richmond at leadthewayrva.org. Uh, we appreciate you listening, and we will be back next week. <laughs>